Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Tennis Insider Club. I am Morja Duran, and here is where tennis stories and life conversations intersect. Join us as we uncover the untold personal journeys of the icons of the court. From laughter to life lessons, it's all here. Now, Here's a snapshot of what's coming up today. I never recall saying I want to be a professional tennis player. I won the biggest title of my career and after two weeks I was as empty as I was before. Uh, I was missing something in my life. Today, I am thrilled to have with us my co-founder and one of the best tennis players in the history of France, Caroline Garcia. Known for her powerful serve and dynamic play, Caroline has captivated fans globally. Winner of many tournaments, including the WTA Finals in 2022 and two times Roland Garros in doubles, join us as we explore the life and career of this remarkable athlete who also happens to be my partner and co-founder. Get ready to be inspired. Today's episode is brought to you by Yonex. For over 75 years, Combining timeless Japanese craftsmanship and cutting-edge technology, Yonex has been giving players the tools they need to triumph on the court. During all this time, the Yonex philosophy has always remained the same, to craft a better future with unique innovation. Visit yonex.com to discover their collection and all the incredible players using their rackets. So, Kalo, here we are, day one of our new podcast. Yes. It's super exciting to try to show the behind the curtains of the tennis world. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited that uh, we are taking this adventure and creating this podcast. Uh, I definitely would like uh, to learn more about the players and, and it's a good way to maybe open a little bit more tennis. Exactly, because I think it's for sure one of the most followed sports and uh, people know a lot about uh, the players' results. But it's kind of hard to understand all the things happening behind the, the, the scenes, no? So it's a, a good challenge to try to show the story behind the player, their achievement, and also their failures. Yes, in my personal opinion. And I know now that yours too, it's uh, we like to listen podcasts and we get some inspiration from other people who had a lot of success, who had uh, to go through failures and how they, they went through it. And sometimes we try to get a little bit of their experience in our own life. And uh, I believe sports, it's a very interesting topics and uh, you can gain a lot of experience. So maybe uh, this podcast with uh, our listeners to, to get some experience, hopefully. I agree. And I really look forward to doing it because one thing I've been able to see with you is that what you can see on court from what there is actually behind the person, it can be like black and white. <laughs> so I really look forward to not only knowing uh, the background and the history of other players, but also, you know, like who is behind that uh, racket and what drives them yes. and also their struggles because tennis is a top sport. <laughs> one of the things people don't realize about tennis is how brutal it is. Because you travel all around the world during 10 months per year, playing in different countries almost every week. And more often than not, you end up not winning the tournament. So you have to deal with losses every week, practically. How do you manage this as a tennis player? You learn to manage it through your career. And some results, obviously, are harder to digest than others. As you always want to win the tournament, if it's a slam, it always takes a couple of days or maybe it can even take weeks. And how easy it is for you? 
to move on from one week to the other. I think in my career, I had time where I was able to do it better than others, that I was mentally better and fresher. Obviously, in the 2023 season, I was struggling a lot about the result, and I was only focused on that. And that brought me a lot of pain. And it was following me outside of tennis courts also. And obviously, when you're 20 years old or 30 years old, you don't get motivated by the same stuff. You don't have the same career behind you. And you don't want to achieve the same goals. And it's a challenge because you want to go all the way. You want to hold the trophy. It's something you don't have the chance to do a lot. And you know what it can bring you. And sometimes you try to follow that emotion that winning a trophy brings you. But I don't think it's a healthy way of seeing tennis. And yeah, obviously the last, you have to see it as a lesson, as a good experience. What did I do today that I can improve? What did I do positively and negative? And what can I take out of it to improve for next week or for the next slam? And you have to judge yourself, not compare yourself to others. Here you talk about 2023, especially at the end of the season, you were talking about it as a huge failure or you were like extremely disappointed by it. I would like to understand if now with a bit of perspective, you still see 23 season as a failure or with some time and some perspective, you would like to be able to change your mindset and maybe mid-season be a bit more relaxed and understand that you were not doing that bad and be more calm and keep trusting the process. I think now after taking some break, some holidays outside of tennis, I have more perspective. I can go back with less emotion because every week on tour, it's sometimes like you're always in a washing machine, always going through the results, pushing yourself, the judgment of others, and you have too much in your mind. And obviously, I was disappointed about finishing top 20 because it was not my goal at the beginning of the year and I wanted to achieve more, keep building on my good uh, 2022 season. And to not have that uh, success right away was painful. And I lost a lot of confidence in my game, in what I can do. And every match was really a struggle, was really painful to live. Time on court always felt very long because I couldn't enjoy the moment I had on, on court. And now I see that it was definitely not my best year, but it was not that bad either. I went uh, through a lot on court of court, I did put myself a lot of pressure on my result. I felt also the pressure and the expectation of the other ones. And definitely there is years where you learn also a lot about yourself and your relation with tennis that evolves through the, the years. And uh, you have to find new ways to get motivated, new goals. And it was a great experience. And uh, I take it as this, as painful experience, <laughs> obviously. Very painful, but as a good experience and it looks like I needed to go through it. You talk about pressure from others. Can you talk more about what you mean and who are these others? There is many others, let's say. There is a lot of people who have only good intention and they involuntarily put pressure on you. But it's all the environment also around tennis and you grow up in it and you listen to it obviously almost every day. And if you are top 10, you have to achieve top five. If you're top five, you have to achieve number one in the world. If you win two tournaments, you have to win a third one. If you win one slam, you have to win two slams. And if you don't always keep building on it, it's a disappointment. But it's a sport. It's tennis. You're not the only one competing. And also you have to go through issues behind the tennis court. And yeah, I ended up... Being top four at the end of 2022, winning the WTA final. So obviously the next step was a slam. And people expecting me to, to win a slam and keep playing as good as I was playing, which means second part of the season, number one in the world. Yeah, for many reasons, I was not able to do it. And I felt I needed to go to deliver every single week. And players play more relaxed. They know that if they want to beat player in the top 10, they have to play their best tennis and this. So I expected to lose. They can just go for it. And on the other side of the net, you're expected to win. And me on my side, as soon as I was missing points, doing enforced errors, I was super frustrated with myself, not uh, allowing myself any mistakes. And it's impossible to live like this. You're not uh, perfect. You are human. And uh, there is days you cannot deal with everything. And I was not able to deal with that. Probably the, the big challenge here is to be able to live in reality, which most of the time is between your goals and, and the results. So I would like to understand 
how to cope with this because at the end, if, if you're ambitious, you're going to be always, as you say, putting goals higher than what you already achieved, but you won't be able to achieve them the day after. So how do you deal with all this pressure that you put to yourself? I think another challenge in sports is that you have an expiration date. You will not be able to do it until you are 50 years old. And in another way, you don't know for how long you are going to be able to do it because unfortunately, sometimes body doesn't react to all the pressure you put himself through on court, all the trainings, the traveling, the, the matches, the competitions, the stress. And you never know what can happen to you. There is a bad injury we can happen on court and come back from it. It's also a stress. Yeah, you have short, short-term goals, mid one and longer one. And you want to be able to achieve them as fast as possible, but it's also a process and you have to be able to improve day by day, weeks after weeks. Usually sometimes there is some steps down, sometimes you will jump two steps ahead, but you always have to try to keep your feet on the ground and uh, have perspective. I know sometimes as soon as it doesn't uh, go my way, I become quite dramatic very quickly. I can get very excited when I play a very good match and I have a very good practice. And the next day I want to be able to achieve the same thing. And it's not going to be exactly that. And if one day I play a very bad match or I lost against a player who has a lower ranking, I will get very dramatic, very sad. I will put everything on the line. Yes, this is not working. We haven't put the intensity right at practice. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. and lost confident in myself a lot and if you lost confidence after every lost you're starting again from too low to be able to go high and to play tennis you have to have faith in yourself faith in your game faith in what you are able to, to do and it's something I need to keep learning to do because it costs me on the long term. This long-term vision you require in order to, to succeed is a super interesting topic. But I want to talk first because you mentioned injuries and some of the best tennis you had was at the second part of 2022, which is right after one of the biggest injuries you had. No, You had to spend some time off the off court. Do you think that this success you had in the last part of the 2022 season has a lot to do with the fact maybe of not having expectations of maybe enjoying tennis after a break? Yes, in my past, uh, we can see that uh, I always did better when I was kind of lower ranked and with less expectations of myself and from the others. And I'm struggling more sometimes when I'm at the top and I have to play um, some player who have lower rankings than me. So it's obviously related. I stopped only in March or April. But I was feeling the pain for a very long time, almost a year. And at the end in March in Miami, I couldn't cope with the pain anymore. It was too painful every time I was stepping on court. Pain was very intense right away. And I was not able to live with it anymore. So I needed a break to take time to heal my injury first. And also mentally refresh because every step I was making on court was bringing me back to the pain. And, and also it was a good way to refresh my mind, live for a couple of months a normal life where you have a normal schedule. You can, you can text a friend and say, hey, do you want to meet next Saturday? Because I'm free, <laughs> which is never happening when you're on tour. And you don't even know what is your schedule of next day. So it's really hard to schedule stuff and sometimes you need to have a regular routine you need to I was having rehab and gym in the morning and I was off every afternoon and I had my weekends which is something you cannot experience in tennis and to have that routine gave me peace even if I had the stress of when am I going to go back to tennis and how long is it going to take which is always very uncertain with injuries. And when I came back on court, I was like, okay, I can start to move freely again, which was for a very long time not true. I can have fun. I can do stuff. And I want to play tennis the way I really like tennis to be played. And I enjoy watching tennis of aggressive players who go to the net, who do winners, who... Yeah, we do like volleys and stuff like that. So I want to play that way. And luckily, it's 
the way also I play good tennis. <laughs> so yeah, when we went back on court, we really had that goal to, okay, let's play that way and go for it. Uh, I know I can move better now. I don't have pain and I feel lighter and less stressed about it. So my goal was at the end of the year to be like top 30, top 20 to be able to seed it for the next Australian Open. So I was about 50, uh, 50, 60, well, I think I dropped until 70. And, but the goal was, okay, was doable. So let's try to do that. And it turned out I did much better than that. I think it's super interesting. I don't know if uh, maybe it could be the reason of your success, right? The, the fact that you set up a, a goal, which I, th I guess pretty soon you saw you were going to achieve, right? So after that, everything was a bonus. Everything was uh, more than you, you wanted. And it probably allowed you to play more relaxed, which probably it's something really needed with your style. Because as you said, you like playing a very aggressive very ambitious type of game and for sure that it helps to be relaxed, to be confident and to not be uh, so much tense no, uh, during the match. So probably there is a, a lesson to, to learn here, being able to manage expectations and trying to maybe enjoy more the right, right? I know that with my game style, if I'm afraid of making mistakes, I'm going to do a lot of mistakes. And at the same time, mistakes come with my game style because I like to take risks. And when you come back from an injury, you're really seeing day by day. You're like, okay, that day was fine. My feet was okay. Let's see next day. You are more focused one day at a time. And you're like, okay, today I did my down the lines better. I was able to take my return earlier. Let's keep improving tomorrow it was like little goals and yeah after I got a lot of rhythm I played a lot of matches and playing a lot of matches made me more confident to be like okay that's the way and that the game style working for me let's keep going that way and obviously in the past or when it's not working they say I'm too aggressive I take too much risk but obviously when everything was working well it's wow she's playing amazing she's so inside the baseline in the return but it's working so it's great and as soon as I will hit something like 10 centimeters outside I should go back it's not as simple as that people have a short memory most so of the times and uh, have you ever thought about developing like a plan B because it's true that sometimes watching you play it seems that you're willing to die with your game style and probably there's going to be matches in your career where tension is almost impossible to take away, right? A, a big final or something. Have you thought or are you working or do you have already? Okay, like these moments, I know I might not be able to do what I like to do. So I need to find a plan B. I need to maybe focus more on, on the weaknesses of my opponent and, and build a game plan according to my opponent or no. Or for you, it's just, I, I trust I'm able to do it and I'm going to go for it. I believe there is always place where I can improve my plan A, but I have not reached the limit of plan A and I can improve my capacity of fitness, mental focus to be able to improve my plan. And I do believe I'm capable of doing a plan A2, let's say. <laughs> but <laughs> which means wait for one more ball before attacking. But I know I'm not like Coco Goff. I know I'm not eager. I know I cannot slide from one side to another and bring all the balls back because it's not I don't know how to do it. I will be able to do it on a couple of points, but I'm not able to do it on all the, on the points. And because I will think about it too much and I will lose a lot my rhythm. I will lose a lot my timing, and which is very important. Especially when I have short ball again, I need to be aggressive. I cannot stand two meters behind the baseline all the match. And we always study the opponent and we always know what are their weaker spots, even if sometimes it's not very obvious uh, against the top players. But there is always something in mind. Uh, but I want to be able to be the one dominating on court and applying my own game. Interesting. <laughs> And so, yeah, we were, as we were talking, you end up 2022 uh, with flying colors, winning the WTA finals. Then off-season comes. 2023 begins. You're probably one of the favorites to win in Australia, maybe to get close to re reaching number one. And it doesn't, come, it doesn't happen. Probably this pressure comes, no, this tension comes. 
and you start missing by 10 centimeters, right? As, as you said, what are the lessons from this to avoid it happening in this 2024 season? I think the mistake I did in 2023, uh, when I saw after a couple of weeks, he was not turning my way as well as at the end of 2022, was that I was afraid of losing my ranking. Okay, if I don't play well here, I'm going to drop to that. If I don't arrive to US with the first good part of the season, I'm going to drop a lot my ranking. And I was always fixing things, like fixing my games, fixing my serve, fixing my attitude, my behavior. And I was not thinking long-term enough. And every result was hurting me deeper and deeper. It's tennis, but I, at the beginning of the season, I had a lot of tough losses, like 7-6 in the third with match points, 7-5, battling out there, not getting the wins. So I felt I was like not getting the reward of all the hard work. And it was affecting me too much as a person. So obviously my life on a tennis court was hard, but I was hard on myself outside of the tennis court. And I was not able to develop enough my identity outside of a tennis court. And I was only the tennis player who was not winning points, not winning matches. And obviously I was still number four or five in the world at that time, at the beginning. But I was seeing myself only losing matches and I was too negative for what was really happening. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that you are relating almost your worth as a human being to your tennis results, right? So my guess is in these moments where you're losing matches, where you're like losing more than winning, you're not enjoying the ride at all. You're not enjoying your tennis career, but probably not also your personal uh, life, right? Yeah, it was, it was really hard. And he, I had some years in the past like this also where, where, yeah, I'm only a tennis player. Unfortunately, sometimes people around you not doing it on purpose, but only see you as a tennis player. And you want sometimes to put it on the side and you want people to ask you, like, how are you? But how is the person? Yeah, my result, what I did last week. But yeah, ask me how I am really like. And sometimes it's hard to really identify yourself to that person and take time to, yeah, to be healthy, to do things that you like. Obviously, tennis is great life. I'm not going to complain on that. And I'm proud to be a tennis player. And it's a great experience I'm able to live. But it's also very challenging as a person, as a human being, because you are far from people you love. You're far from family. You're far from having a normal life, like socializing with your friend from school or stuff like that. And you will not be able to get that time back even when you don't play tennis anymore. And you feel that tennis at some points, because of the result, because of the judgment, can affect you very deeply. And you can get lost a little bit. Lost who you are and why you started to play tennis. Which for sure doesn't help you probably perform, right? If, if you are unhappy as a human being, it's more hard to go on court and practice hard and be confident on yourself and, and be motivated to, to train. How do you try to find more balance now? Because at the end, you started playing tennis almost full time when you were, what, 13, 14? Yes, more or less. I think I started and everyone who make it to the top starts very young because you have to learn your sport very young. And you really grow in the tennis uh, structure. You really find yourself to a, to be a tennis player. And uh, yeah, at some point to keep growing, I think I needed to find balance in my life to build a project outside to give me perspective to to tell me that I am way more than only someone who know how to play tennis. Yes, I'm very talented to do that, but I want to to do other things. If not, every time I was stepping at on the court during the 2023 season was only sacrifice. It was like, yeah, I have two hours of tennis, one fitness, recovery, physio, rehab, whatever. And then I have to travel. Uh, I know my schedule last minute, but I don't have time to spend time with my family, my friend, my partner, or grow something outside of my career. But I don't get the reward of it. I don't get the wins. My ranking is dropping weeks after weeks. I'm more miserable out there. People are judging me 
harder and harder. They are judging you even when they don't know what is happening in your life. After US Open first round, I got judged, but no one know really what happened. Yeah, I was miserable out there, but why? And people can judge you for knowing nothing. And that's even more painful. After a few months like this, does it come to your mind to quit? In a way, sometimes it does, but I'm afraid of it. Afraid of what? Of stopping? Of having regrets. Uh, Which kind of regrets? I feel I didn't go all the way. I can, I can do more and I have more in myself. You mean there's some results you're missing? Yeah, winning slam is definitely something I miss. I feel that if I take a break now, I'm not sure I will come back. Interesting because, as you said, you've been already probably 15 years doing this, which is more or less pretty much half of your life. And I guess that what drove you before when you were a kid trying to make it and be in the top 10 or even in the top 100 doesn't drive you anymore, right? Because you were a, a girl, you are, now you're a woman. So what drives you now to keep playing tennis, to keep uh, having this life, which, as you say, it has a lot of good things, but also a lot of tough stuff. No, You spend uh, pretty much all the year traveling. You don't get to see your family. You don't get to have a normal uh, life. So what drives you to keep going out there and try to deliver every day? I want to, to go all the way and try to deliver what I was supposed to and what drive me since so many years, which is uh, win slams. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, if I imagine myself pausing or stopping, I will always have the regrets to do not have experience winning a slam, which is what 95% of players uh, missed. I want to, to pause or retire when I feel that I went and I explored every single way. Mm -hmm. And for now, I feel that I have some more options in front of me and I want to 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 chase them, go for them and uh, at least live with no regrets. Even if I don't achieve all my goals, I want to live with no regret and to say that I tried until the end. So if one day we see you with a slam title, we can expect it also in that press conference to retire. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I want, I want to see what the two makes yeah because at the end like... we were discussing it before it's like a, a drug yes and, um, maybe I... we see you playing with 55 years <laughs> 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 like going for the next one or for the first one <laughs> <laughs> that's off uh, so yes we are not all going to make it but that's obviously what drives me and I think with some time also taking some time away from tennis I realized how good I did already in, in tennis and that I will have signed the paper at 15 years old in one second. If you tell me you will do this career, I will have signed for sure. But being always on tour, you always want to achieve more. You always want to, to go to something you didn't do before. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But also at one point, I thought that winning titles, biggest one every time, will make me appear and appear, or they will build something in myself. 
sometimes I felt empty. I felt I needed the wins. I needed the trophy to, yeah, to fill me. And I realized, no, it did not. So what were your feelings after winning the WTA finals, which is the biggest title of your career? I was obviously super happy for a couple of days, but I felt the same emptiness after one week. After the, we played the Billie Jean King Cup and after a couple of days, when I went holidays, I felt, yeah, it was nice, but is it worth it all? Now I have to go for a slam to see if it works. But can I do it? I don't know. I never did it before. I never made final. I made one semi-final. And you're never satisfied. So I think that feeling I had also stressed me a little bit for my 2023 season. Because when you come back from injury, you want to play matches, you want to win. Uh, obviously, when you keep winning, it's great. You get the confidence, you get the good wins, you get the good comments from the outside. But I won the biggest title of my career. And after two weeks, I was like as empty as I was before. I was missing something in my life still. And yeah, I realized that tennis will bring me a lot of things, but it will not make me complete as a person, as a woman. And I need to build my identity as a person. I need to expand my environment. I need to expand what I'm capable of doing. I need to do things. I'm uncomfortable. I need to take risks outside of tennis. And I need to try stuff. It's, yeah, tennis is what I know since I'm a teenager. And I know I'm good at it. I know it brings me a lot of things, but it doesn't fulfill me inside. And I want to be able to do something else. Uh, I know at one point my tennis career will finish and I want to be able to jump so on something else. So it's a good challenge. Do you struggle to practice sometimes? Yeah, in a way. There is days where you don't want to go practice. There is days where tennis is heavy. And there is... Yeah, I'm not always happy and excited to go practice. I am not. And I decided to embrace it more this year. I decided that it was fine not to be happy to go practice. It was fine to take some days off. It's okay to tell coach, listen, today I don't really want to go practice. Can we find a way to make it a little bit different? Is it fine to don't do two sessions, but do a longer one in the afternoon? Try to find a way to change the routine. It's been like 15 years I've been doing the same. Can we find a way to give me more time outside of my tennis practices to let me al allow me to do something else of my life. And communication with my team was really important to trust them, to tell them what I was feeling and where I was in my career and how I was seeing stuff. Yes, I want to keep playing tennis because I believe I can achieve more stuff. Do I want to practice 10 hours a day? Not anymore. Do I believe I can put the intensity needed and the work and the mentality? Yes, I believe I can. And I also believe that allow me to have more time outside of my tennis will allow me to play better, to be happier out there. I think that probably finding uh, or spending time with hobbies or enjoying your family or your friends or, or whatever, it, it's not incompatible with performing at the highest level. I think you could probably argue it's the opposite, right? Because if you're happy as a human being, as long as that doesn't affect training hours, your nutrition, getting enough sleep, which doesn't have to be like this, right? You can have perfectly healthy relationships, perfectly healthy uh, hobbies and be able to still practice your two, three, four, five hours or whatever it is required, uh, eat healthy food, no? And probably going to sleep happy, feeling fulfilled as a human being will help you go to train with a smile, uh, maybe not 100% of the time, but 90, 80% of the time, no? And uh, make also probably those days which you don't feel like training more bearable. So at the end, you could also argue that having other stuff besides tennis can help you perform and also probably make it worth it. Because as you said, you won WTA finals, which is a huge achievement. And after a couple of days, it was completely over for you, right? Uh, yeah, it was probably... back to normal. Even if I had win my biggest title, obviously the, the hype around it from the fans, from the journalists, from everyone in tennis 
tennis world around me was, was really high, but of course it felt good. I was happy about it. And it's always nice to get some good comments. <laughs> uh, but it lasts only a few days and at the end it goes down on memory lane and it's just a nice memory you have. Like, yeah, uh, you need to find a way to get some little pleasure more often. And sometimes it will come from tennis, but sometimes it will come from a nice walk, from a good dinner, from a good phone call, whatever. But well, enjoying the process of getting there in order to win a slam, there's or, or whatever tournament it is, there's a lot of a, a huge amount of work you have to do. And I think that probably if you are not able to enjoy that, it's not worth it to win anything, right? What's the point of winning a slam if you feel miserable as a, as a human being, right? It's not, yes, I think probably like enjoying the ride will help you get there because you will be willing to, to work harder, but also if. Like changing the conversation, right? What's the point of winning if at the end of the day you feel depressed, if at the end of the day you don't enjoy at all what you do? Yeah, I want to be able to say when I stopped tennis that I enjoyed the ride. That Did you so far? Yes and no. There is part I enjoy. There is some part I did not enjoy. I cannot say I enjoyed 2023 <laughs> for sure. Which results-wise was one of yes. the best years of your career. Yeah. No, results-wise... At least it's in the top 30 or 40% of your 15 yeah, years. Yeah, so for, it's not a bad For people year. listening, it can sound weird, but uh, it was really painful. And, and yeah, going back to train in December, I was like, I hope I will not leave the same season. Mm -hmm. Are I, you scared now? Of having, a, again, a season, maybe it's not objectively bad, but below your expectations or have you changed your expectations or have you made any change in your mindset compared to January 2023? Yeah, I think my mindset evolved and I'm trying to do some work on myself to allow me to have better emotions, to understand that, yeah, maybe I will not be happy to be on court. I will not be excited to be playing a tournament. And it's okay. It's fine. I have to accept it. And I don't have to force myself to be happy every day when I'm in tournaments, when I'm playing matches. I don't have to put a mask to show people I'm positive. I'm happy with what I'm doing. It's fine. I'm tired of being that person and I want to be more and more myself. And if I feel sad out there on the center court, I want to show that I'm sad. And it's hard to be on the center court and playing terrible and losing 6-1. It's hard. It has to be tough to be out there when you're feeling this way. You feel super lonely. You're trying your best, but it's not working. Or the other one is just playing some amazing tennis on top of it. And... There is, what, 5,000, 10,000 people watching, maybe a million, two million in front of the TV judging you, and you are aware of it. And I'm out there playing terribly bad while training one week for it, and I have to cope with it. Yeah, it feels, yes, I'm sad. Yes, I want to cry. And I did cry already many times, and it's part of who I am. So you really could feel the outside pressure? From the media, social media, is, is it something that really affects you? Or, and if so, how do you find ways to manage it? Yes, it is something that affects me a lot. I want to please everyone. I want everyone to be happy and I want to deliver what I'm supposed to deliver and be perfect. And people expect you to do good, always good. And I have been promised sometimes that I uh, will do some great things in tennis that I have the potential. And it's nice to be able to receive those kind of comments, but you want to make it happen. And for some reason, how people see me affects me and it should not because from one day to another, their opinion will change. One day I am the queen of tennis, like playing some great tennis, next number one in the world. And the next day I can be a scandal because I lost to someone ranked whatever number. I guess this is only in the eyes of people who never achieved anything close to what you did, right? You are a highly successful player. And probably all this negativity, it's coming from uh, comments in social media, from people who probably are not in the top 100 of whatever they're doing. And because probably when you lose, players in the tour are not laughing, right? I guess you're not laughing about other people's failure on, on tour. So it's negativity, it's hate from people who are not there, who for sure are not successful as, as you. And it's interesting to see how the effect is on you as a player and probably these people should realize the impact this uh, hate uh, has on the person on the other side. 
Yes, there is a little bit of nonsense to worry so much about what other people think. But it's a little bit also how is evolving our society right now. We are, I would say we are in general manner, but like judging too quickly on a picture, on a video, on a behavior of someone in five seconds. But you don't know what is happening in their personal life right now. Maybe they lost a relative. Maybe they had a very good, bad day at work. They just got fired. Maybe their kids are sick. But everyone to quickly judge what is happening. And with the social media now, everything is immediate. You want to find something, you got it in two seconds. And everything looks easy anyway. Like people playing football out there is like how did he miss that goal but like when we try it's not as successful <laughs> people think you're missing because you want to or because you didn't work because it's hard easy, for it because most of the time when you watch sports on tv it looks easy but it is not and in tennis if you're a bit stressed and your timing is not as right the ball can fly away from five meters and when it does it's not because you went partying the day before or you didn't practice for two weeks you've been working as hard probably as when you were winning amazing matches it's probably that the mental side is it's not as good as when it used to be or well, the opponent was just better that day or, or whatever reason and so do you do anything do you put in practice any techniques to try to zoom out and stay a bit away of all this thing or again it's something that you still need to work on It's a work in progress. It's uh, something I'm working on. It's something I'm, I'm learning to do better. I'm learning to identify my emotions better, to be able to really feel how I am at the present moment, really feel that there is days better than other, and it's fine. It's a process. People will keep judging me, and it is fine. I don't really care. I try not to care. <laughs> And I try to be more open-minded in the fact that everyone has their own opinion, but it should not affect me because I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. And it doesn't matter what people are saying. It doesn't matter if you win the tournament, if you lose first round. The who you are will not change. I believe tennis is a great way also to work on that. And it's a life experience, but speed five, because you get independent very quickly. You learn to be disciplined because you need to train. You need to take care of yourself outside of the court as well. You're independent in a way. You travel a lot. You don't see a lot of your family. So you go through everything in life, but sometimes very young, sometimes in an environment where you are very lonely. So it's like, how can I cope with that? Arriving where you are now, it took a huge amount of sacrifice uh, when you were a teenager and in your early 20s and even now. If you were born again, would you still like to be a tennis player or you would like to just have a more normal life? Because at the end, being a tennis player, it was not your decision, right? You start at a very young age, you start being good, you are like better than, than the average tennis club player. So... People start uh, thinking you have potential. Yeah, it's also... a process. It's a process. It's... But it's not uh, your own decision because at 14, 15, you're not mature enough to decide what you want to no, do in you life, don't, right? No, you don't mature enough. You didn't see enough of a lot of things. And one day to another, you start the tour. But I never recall saying, I want to be a professional tennis player. I more recall my way being like a process. Okay, I was good enough in that category at this age. Let's go higher let's go higher let's go higher and I ended up being on tour because I was talented because we were putting the work because I had my parents who were bringing me to tournaments some kid doesn't have that opportunity either and but you know that I believe I will do it differently but I will still pick tennis I will do it differently what would you do different if you start your career again And do you have the maturity you have now? You have it when you're like 20, what would you change? Maybe it will not work, but I would like to be able to build my identity as a woman earlier, to be more open-minded that there is something else outside of tennis and not base my happiness only about my result and don't judge myself as a person only based on my result. 
uh, I play good, I'm a good person. I play bad, I'm a bad person. And when you arrive young on the, in the tennis environment, it's a little bit what you learn. So you think this is something that most of players struggle with? Or you think it's something more related to, to you because of your background or because of who you are? It's hard to say. And that's also... On tour, people are like very stressed about their results. Or you think there's people who manage it better and uh, get to enjoy more the ride? I think it's quite common. I believe it's quite common. and um, Because we find it out. Yes, that's why also I'm episodes. very curious to learn about other players because I think they have some very inspiring stories and they, everyone went through different stuff, good and bad, and they came out of it. And they got better and they keep evolving. So I'm really curious to, lo to learn about other ones. And I think, yes, you identify yourself a lot only based on your tennis result. I believe also every person is really different. And in my case, I like to please people, but it's impossible. You cannot look perfect all the time. And if it was not perfect, it was not good enough. And that's what I want to work on. Showing more who you really are, right? Yes, I'm not perfect. Try right. to maybe take out the mask you have of perfection and encourage the way you are with the good stuff and maybe the not so good stuff. Yes, I'm not perfect. A perfect person, like no one is perfect. Some are almost perfect, but... <laughs> so maybe that's what they show to the world. Yes, maybe that's what they show. And yes, like I said, it's, I'm tired to always pretend and go down to practice. Yeah, I'm super excited, super pumped about it. The tournament is cool, it's so great. I'm having a great time on the other side of the world. No, sometimes my room is very lonely. I'm bored. I'm losing myself on a Netflix show at, until 2 a.m. because I cannot sleep because I'm stressed about my match for tomorrow. Because I missed a foreign at practice. It's, it's impossible. It's, I don't want to live like that anymore. And I don't want to over suffer. Life is it's tough. Obviously, as a tennis player, we are lucky people. We do something which is nice, but there is their own struggle to it. And I want to be able to learn and do better. You said finding balance probably is uh, one of the keys to, to enjoy more tennis. I'm wondering if you thought about maybe playing less tournaments, getting to spend more time with your family, with friends and nurturing your hobby. Because as you said, in 2022, you, had, you took some time off, not because you wanted, but because of injuries. And this tennis break allowed you to, first of all, realize that you were lucky to be playing tennis and that maybe at the end was not such a bad life, right? Because and you were able to enjoy it more. And with that, it came some very good results. So I'm wondering if you think that maybe finding more balance or playing less tournaments, maybe you can still practice a lot, but can help you perform better or you think you really need to... It's hard. It's really hard because it's something I did all my life. I always played a lot of tournaments because I didn't know with my game style, I had some better weeks than others. So... At the end, it will pay. If I play more tournaments, I have more chance that it click all together. And also, I do need rhythm. I do need to build my confidence. I will not build my confidence as well on the practice court as if I play matches and if I win matches, which I don't mean it's a good way to see things. Maybe it's not, it's, I should not. For sure, when you're having a great time and you're performing and you're delivering, the more you play, the more you win, the more confidence you, you have, right? But maybe for moments where your results are not as good if you keep playing tournaments and you keep losing first second round this it's not helping you to end this kind of a uh, negative toxic circle and maybe if you take a break two three weeks you go back home yeah but you, you, always, have, a bit. you always have the pressure of ranking yeah. every week that's something that there is a ranking every week and you need to chase points because you want a certain ranking or because your goal is ranking related also So you know that Monday there is a ranking coming and you don't want to drop. You want to go higher and higher. You want to achieve the WTA final race. So if you don't play, there is no points. If you don't play, there is no money either. So you're like, okay, this one didn't work. Let's try next week. Let's try next week. And while also you don't play, the other one plays. So the difference may become bigger and bigger. But obviously, sometimes keep playing when it's not good, it makes things worse. Of course, you, you gotta play. 
and I was not talking about taking a one month break. Just you are one of the players that plays most tournaments uh, every year. And maybe when you're 20, you really need it. You need the experience, but probably now you're already used to a high competition. You're used to the stress of uh, having to deliver, right? So I was just wondering if that's something you ever yes. thought about. Maybe I'm not talking about taking breaks, but maybe playing three, four less tournaments per year. I think part of the goal of 2024 is to have a healthier schedule. And obviously it's a challenge with the little changes in the circuit structure. And there is a lot of big tournaments through the year and you want to play them because you want to try to win that uh, WTA final race. But I would like to give myself more, I would not say weeks off, but not traveling. But it's definitely a challenge because it's something I'm not used to it. And it's new and new sometimes always scares you. But I would like to play a little bit less, but we try. <laughs> but yeah, also it's a long season, but I would like sometimes to take more weeks off. Before continuing, I want to say thank you again to Yonex for our first uh, episode. Yes, uh, they have been supporting me on court for seven years now, and I'm very grateful that uh, they follow us in this journey and uh, personal challenge. So thank you, Yonex, for your support to Tennis Insider Club. And to you guys, I really recommend you to go to yonex.com, where you will be able to discover not only Caroline's racket, but also the rackets and equipment on, of some of the best players on tour right now. So visit yonex.com and discover their amazing equipment. So, Carlo, it's Olympics in Paris this year. What are your thoughts on it? I'm very excited about it. I'm glad it's 2024 because I felt like people have been talking to me about Paris 2024 for 10 years now. I don't know since when do we know. So I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad it's coming. We play three, four Olympics in our tennis career. How it's been so far? Terribly. I didn't win a match, so, so I can do only better. And on top of it, it was some very painful experience. So I feel very gra grateful and very lucky to be able to play Olympics in my own country. It's very rare to have that chance. We are playing in Roland Garros, which is already like a very historical stadium for tennis. And for Olympics, I believe it will be even more exciting. Uh, clay courts in July under 25, 30 degrees uh, can be fun. <laughs> it will be fun. And uh, yes, it's a unique chance to, to get a very special trophy. A medal will definitely be something that will stay with me forever. To be able to share with the French fans, hopefully with the family and friends, would be very special for sure. We have some months to prepare for it. Let's get the, the confidence to, to help me to achieve it. If you could choose one tournament to win this year, which would it be? <laughs> it's a tough question. It's a really complicated question. But like I say, it's unique. I will be able to play Grand Slams in 2025, but I will not be able to play Paris Olympics ever again in my life. Or maybe another Olympics. You're, oh, still, maybe, you're yeah, still young, yes, but four yes, years yes, from yes. now, no, nobody no, no, knows what's right. going to happen. I, yes, I, I do not know that. So... If I have to choose one, I will choose Paris 2024, just to put some pressure on myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which is something you love, you love doing. Yeah, well, I love that. Okay, good. Um, I think we can leave it here. Yeah, it was uh, really a good time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It was a good conversation. So first episode uh, done. I hope you guys liked it. I hope you also had a good time recording it. Definitely I did. And I hope uh, everyone uh, will be able to enjoy it. and. Uh, Episode after episode, uh, we will keep improving and discover more about tennis. Yeah, let's see if we can achieve our goal of showing the world uh, what's behind the best players of this sport. Yes, and if we can um, make people uh, believe uh, in themselves a little bit more or just inspired one of two uh, listeners, I uh, will be more than happy. Let's hope more than one or two. Of <laughs> yes, <you>. that <laughs> would be a good beginning though. <laughs> I'm already inspired. <laughs> So, yeah, thank you very much for your time and uh, see you soon, guys. See you soon.